Hi, you're listening to the American Psychological Association's Division 15 podcast series on emerging research in educational psychology. My name's Jeff Green. Thanks for joining us. So I'm the kind of person who gets interested in a bunch of different things, and I really have to work hard to keep my focus. That's one reason why I became interested in research on self-regulation. I struggle to stay focused on a single goal because there are so many cool other things to think about, and I've had to learn strategies to stay on track. Research is indeed me-search. But while I think it's important we help people learn how to maintain focus on big, important goals, I think it's dangerous to go too far. People do have multiple academic and multiple non-academic goals, and that's a good thing. Pursuing one important goal doesn't mean turning off or ignoring all the others. The trick is how to manage all of them, something self-regulated learning theory hasn't sufficiently addressed until now. Dr. Yoon Kim has integrated research on multiple goal networks and self-regulation into a really promising multiple goal regulation framework, which we're talking about today. Now, there's a lot of cool stuff in this framework, so this discussion will be a good example of having to appropriately regulate among multiple important and positive goals. Dr. Yoon Kim received her PhD in educational psychology at The Ohio State University and her postdoctoral training at Washington University in St. Louis. Her research focuses on various types of motivational challenges that students experience and the self-regulatory processes that students can engage in to overcome them. She is the recipient of the 2022 Paul Pintrish Outstanding Dissertation Award from the American Psychological Association's Division 15, and in the upcoming year, she will be joining Florida State University as an assistant professor in the Department of Educational Psychology and Learning Systems. Today, we're talking about Yoon's 2023 article in Educational Psychologist entitled, Self-Regulatory Processes Within and Between Diverse Goals, the Multiple Goals Regulation Framework, which she wrote with Shirley Yu, Christopher Walters, and Eric Anderman. So Yoon, I'm so excited to talk to you about your article today. Thank you so much for having me. So let's start with this. What was the gap in the literature that inspired you to write this article? Yeah, I mean, that's a really good question. I think that, as you mentioned at the beginning, we're always kind of constantly challenged to manage between an array of goals. Students have multiple academic goals. Maybe they're taking multiple courses simultaneously. And of course, they have multiple non-academic goals like social goals or well-being goals. And it's important to acknowledge this broader context of multiple goals. And I think that in the self-regulated learning literature, for too long, there has been this narrow focus on pursuing a single goal, which is oftentimes academic goals, and then treating the non-academic goals as background variables that you need to inhibit or sacrifice to become a better self-regulated learner. So I wanted to integrate the self-regulated learning literature with the broader literature on goals and self-regulation in general. Yeah, I think that's really helpful because you know, so often, like, you know, I study self-regulation and we just focus on academic goals and those other goals matter, right? I feel like sometimes we just kind of treat them as distractions or things that need to be pushed aside, but that's, that's not how you see them, is it? Exactly. And I think that's a great point that I wanted to raise because oftentimes, or all the time, <laughs> we're just surrounded by all of these attractive alternatives that we can engage in. Yeah. And those alternatives, I mean, you know, they're attractive and sometimes they're distracting, but sometimes they're like really important, right? Like they, they help us be better human beings and better learners, right? 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that's where I kind of started this this idea where. You know, whenever I try to do something that's important, whether it was you know like writing a paper or reading a textbook, everything else surrounding me was just so much more interesting. Like the TV show that I normally don't watch, the books that I haven't read in like decades, or just cleaning your desk. So I'm sure many people can relate to this. But as I was studying self-regulated learning and motivation, we often had this tendency, I guess. To focus on how can we resist these temptations? How can we inhibit these distractions so that we can focus on our learning and become a self-regulated learner? And I think that there's a danger there because you know when we treat these non-academic goals like distractions or temptations. We oftentimes miss the importance of actually pursuing and appreciating these non-academic goals. So you mentioned inclusion. Can you talk to us a little bit about how a multiple goals perspective can maybe help us better understand students' identities and perspectives and experiences? Sure. I think that really having this narrow focus on a single goal can be sometimes detrimental because it's decontextualizing where students are coming from.、Mm-hmm. The issue of coordinating between an array of goals from different levels and across domains can be especially important for historically underrepresented students. So I think that I wanted to highlight that aspect in this paper.、Mm-hmm. The literature suggests that these historically underrepresented students oftentimes experience incongruent goals across their schools and families and peers.、Mm-hmm. So we wanted to highlight how important it is to incorporate. Different goals that students have that rise from various socio-historical contexts, and really to examine how those relevant or important goals can impact the pursuit of any given goal.、Mm-hmm. And I think this fits really well with the current trend, I, I would say, in our field of educational psychology to be more inclusive. And to be more culturally relevant, and to center the experiences of diverse learners, and to consider the non-traditional contexts. I totally agree, and I'm really glad that you've included that focus and that emphasis in your model. I think it's really important. I mean, let's talk about goals for a second. So there's a lot of research on, you know, kind of how people come up with the content of their goals. But you argued it's equally as important to understand how people structure and interconnect those goals. So can you tell us a little bit about why that's important and how we should think about it? Yeah. So in this broader literature on goals, there's this compelling evidence that students pursue multiple goals, not only a single goal, but also these multiple goals dynamically interact with each other. So in this paper, we propose the multi-layered goal network perspective. Where we really highlight how students are pursuing these goals that are closely interconnected in different ways. So they can be connected hierarchically, they can be connected associatively, and they can also be connected sequentially. 
And when we think about like hierarchical goals, for example, what are the different ways that people might kind of structure their goals in a hierarchy? So students can intentionally structure their goals with, for example, like higher order goals with lower order goals, where they are connecting their higher order, more broader, more abstract, more general goals with more specific, more concrete goals that's more manageable and achievable at the moment. So they kind of prioritize their goals. I think it's a little different from prioritizing, actually, because I think that these hierarchical goals are really highlighting the connections between these more abstract goals and more concrete goals. I think that they can be connected to priorities when you think about them as sequential goals. So Mm -hmm. you first achieve these more proximal goals that are more concrete So the lower order goals in the hierarchy. And then those more proximal goals are then sequentially connected to more broader, more general goals. Mm, Okay. Yeah, that's helpful. And so you've got kind of all these goals and they're all maybe competing, but maybe not, right? Like can some goals mutually support one another? Do others conflict? How does that all work? Mm -hmm. So when these goals are associated in a more facilitative way, they can actually support each other. So for example, maybe your more proximal goal of getting a degree can help your long-term goal of becoming a faculty member, for example. Mm -hmm. Or maybe your goal of getting along with friends can help you to be more successful in your class and be more productive and also maybe get good grades when you work collaboratively with your friends. So Mm -hmm. different goals can be perceived as conflicting or facilitating depending on the context and depending on the students. So it sounds like we want students to be able to kind of recognize their multiple goals and then be able to align them or, you know, recognize when they're in conflict and kind of be thoughtful about that, which implies this kind of regulatory framework. So, you know, how do self-regulated learning models have to change when we start thinking about not just one goal, but multiple goals? I think that's a great question. And it's a hard one, too. I think Mm -hmm. that self-regulated learning models had these basic assumptions where we do acknowledge that students can pursue multiple goals or multiple outcomes. Pintrich himself acknowledged that. Winnie and Hadwin also noted that students can refer to profiles of goals when monitoring or making judgments on a given task. Mm-hmm. But I think that what we are trying to argue in our multiple goals regulation model is a broader scope of goals that students are pursuing and more explicit processes rather than these implicit assumptions that students can engage in to achieve multiple goals. Yeah, that's what I really like about this paper. You know, I think it's one thing to say, yeah, people have multiple goals and they self-regulate to those goals in kind of the same way. But I think what you've fleshed out and elaborated upon from previous models is that there's actually kind of like a a different set of phases or modes or ways in which people 
regulate in the presence of or knowledge of multiple goals. So I think it'd be helpful for us to talk a little bit about those three modes you talk about. So when we're thinking about multiple goal regulation, you say that there are three different modes that people go through. Can you talk to us a little bit about those modes? Sure. So the three modes in the multiple goals regulation framework are establishment of multiple goals, pursuit of multiple goals, and the adaptation of multiple goals. So let's, let's take those kind of one at a time. So, and you know, there's a lot of detail in your paper and our listeners should really check it out, read through the paper to get a good sense of all the wonderful things you talk about, but kind of at a high level, what are the things that people do when they're establishing multiple goals? So this establishment of multiple goals is really when students are looking at the interrelations of their goals and reflecting on the goals that they want to achieve to connect different goals that they have. So, okay, for sure, they can set multiple goals, but they can also connect different goals or merge them together. They can set priorities between the multiple goals so that they can decide which goals to pursue first and which goals to pursue later. And, you know, in your paper, you illustrate this with this example of Susan, right? Mm -hmm. So Susan is this really useful example of someone who's kind of walking through this multiple goal pursuit. So can you give us an example of kind of how someone would do this across multiple academic and non-academic goals? Mm -hmm. So as you mentioned, I used the example of Susan, and I think it might be helpful for the readers if they can also look at the figures that we have in the paper, because I have a lot of visual Mm -hmm. illustrations to highlight some of the ideas. But Mm -hmm. we talk about Susan, who has multiple goals, such as getting good grade in science, maintaining a good relationship with their family, and also staying healthy, which Mm -hmm. are three kind of popular goals that can be pursued simultaneously. And when they are breaking the goals down into more manageable goals, for example, the goal of getting good grade in science, maybe you can break that goal down to completing assignments every week or doing the readings or taking mini quizzes. So maybe you can break that goal into more manageable sub goals. Mm-hmm. And then another exciting part about this mode is that you can also connect and merge different goals. So maybe Susan can merge her goal of reading the assignment and getting along with friends to creating a study group and doing it together with her friends. Mm-hmm. Or for prioritizing, maybe Susan can decide, okay, first, to complete the assignments or assigned readings, and then I will go hang out with my friends or ride her bicycle. Yeah, I really love that because, you know, when I talk to students and try to help them engage in goal setting and self-regulation, you know, very often we focus on an academic goal, but invariably they say, well, I also have to do this, and this is also important to me. And if you don't honor those other goals, it can be really hard to help a person be successful because those goals were important to them, right? I mean, it's part of who they are. It's, it's something that they really value or some things they really value. And so I really like how you've made that explicit in your model mm-hmm. and outlined the kinds of things that people can do to kind of manage this complexity because we don't do students any favors when we pretend that complexity doesn't exist. Yeah, I think you've raised a really important point because not only in self-regulated learning literature, but also in motivation literature, 
oftentimes we focus too much or sometimes only on the task itself or the current goal that students are trying to pursue. Uh, so maybe it's, you know, writing a paper or getting a good grade in your class. We talk about, for example, expectancies, values, or other aspects of the course or of that specific task without really bringing in the real life that students are living in or mm -hmm. without bringing in or considering other goals that students have to manage simultaneously. Yeah, totally. And that management process is kind of the next mode in your model, right? So the pursuit of multiple goals. Can you talk to us a little bit about, you know, just in high level form, what are some things that people do as they're pursuing multiple goals? Mm -hmm. So after you know, setting your multiple goals, connecting them and prioritizing them, you now have to actually pursue them, right? So uh, an important decision here is to decide whether you want to do them simultaneously, which is called concurrent goal pursuit, or sequentially, which is called sequential goal pursuit. So what you want to do here is decide how am I going to navigate or negotiate between these multiple goals? How am I going to maintain my target goal while also coordinating with other multiple goals that I have? And so you mentioned these figures in your paper, which are great. I mean, they're, they're super helpful. And I'm looking at one right now where you're talking about um, and you're displaying how people protect and shield target goals. So can you explain a little bit about kind of how that works and how that helps people pursue multiple goals? Sure. So as students are kind of surrounded by these numerous attractive alternatives or goals that they have that are low priority, they can try to keep their target goals active while keeping these other low priority goals inactive. So when students are engaging in this goal shielding process, they can deliberately engage in various strategies or processes to set boundaries and actively protect their target goals. Mm -hmm. So this well-functioning goal shielding mechanism would really require students to zoom in to the target goal while shielding against the distracting goals that they have around them. Yeah. And, you know, you, you said goals, right? I said goal, and that wasn't the right way to frame it. Like you said, protecting and shielding target goals, which fits so well with the multiple goal framework that you're talking about. And it just strikes me that when students have thought about and paid attention to the need to connect goals and to find ways to make goals either sequential or mutually supportive of one another, it's probably easier for them to then kind of shield off the goals that are truly distracting or not a priority. So that's another piece of your model that I really like, where you're emphasizing that there's this advantage to thinking about goals in terms of goals and not just a goal. So that's really helpful. And then you've got this wonderful phase with, again, great graphics. Love the graphics in this paper. I encourage all our listeners to check it out. Um, but you're talking about the adaptation of multiple goals. So how do people change goals? How do they kind of adjust them when things aren't quite going the way that they hoped? Yeah, so this is actually my favorite part of, of the model as well, because I think that as researchers, we have put great emphasis on goal setting or goal commitment and persistence, mm -hmm. but 
Not many times we focus on how students need to change their goals or disengage from their goals. And in reality, we have to pause our goal pursuit activities, or or sometimes we have to disengage from what we're doing. Maybe we can come back to it later. But sometimes we just have to let it go. And I think that's okay. And that's sometimes healthier for students to be able to do that. So in this model, we talk about the things that students can consider or what students can do to decide whether to continue, switch, or abandon their target Mm -hmm. goals. Yeah. And you give some great examples of Susan doing that, right? So how she's kind of thinking about okay, I can't get everything done. What are the priorities? Do I need to abandon this goal or revise my goal or productively combine goals? And so I love how you connect everything across the three modes to illustrate how Susan's being really thoughtful, not just about pursuing one goal, but lots of them and what that does to how she has to revise goals accordingly. Mm -hmm. Thank you. So You know, you've got these three kind of phases or modes of regulation when it comes to multiple goals. But after adaptation, things aren't done, right? The framework is cyclical. So can you tell us a little bit about how people cycle back through and why that might be important to keep cycling through? Yeah. So with these three modes, maybe you'll think, oh, isn't that too much to expect a student to regulate not only a single goal, but also multiple goals? Maybe that's too resource intensive or too tiring for students. And we wanted to highlight that actually in the long term, this multiple goals regulation is more sustainable and more adaptive. So there's this idea of spillover effects where it emphasizes how students' experiences and emotions in one domain can carry over to another domain and how that's important in examining students' self-regulatory processes. So since it's not realistic to expect a student to just repeatedly self-regulate to pursue a single goal, it's important for us to think broadly and to think about how students' self-regulatory processes can evolve over time in different modes with different goals that are closely interconnected. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And I, I like how you emphasize how it's more sustainable, right? I mean, again, people are whole human beings, and it's more likely that they'll successfully regulate towards goals when their both academic and non-academic goals are served. So that's a, that's a really important mm-hmm. point. Thank you. Mm-hmm. So again, there, there's a lot of depth to the model and our listeners should really just go and download the article and read it carefully. And I hope it inspires them. I think, you know, really great articles in educational psychologists do a lot of things, but I think one of the most exciting things they do is they suggest new directions for future research. So are there some promising directions for future research that really excite you that you're hoping people or maybe yourself will continue to explore? Yeah. I mean, I think this is really just the beginning Mm -hmm. of the learn journey investigating students' multiple goal pursuit processes. I mean, I see a lot of emerging research examining this topic, but it's really underdeveloped and we need much more work looking at this. Mm -hmm. And I think that there are so many exciting ways to explore this idea. But what I would like to highlight is, first of all, the measurement 
Mm-hmm. I think in order to facilitate research in this underdeveloped area, we really need to design or develop a tool where we can measure how students are regulating their multiple goals. And I think that's the first thing that I want to do, actually, (laughs) to really explore more and get a better understanding. I think another exciting direction is to look at multiple goals regulation in different groups of students. So depending on the sociocultural backgrounds, students might have different types of goals and they might have different perceptions of the interrelations of goals. And um, I think that it's important to look at how different groups of students might engage in multiple goals regulation in a unique way. And I think it'll be interesting to look at how students' multiple goals regulation change over time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, you know, whether they're young, whether they're old, multiple goals regulation is going to be important. So... How do they look differently? What can students do or what can adult learners do to successfully coordinate their goals? I think that's an important question. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, again, I really want our listeners to download your article, check it out. There's a ton there and there's all kinds of empirical literature that you bring to, you know, kind of support the ideas that you posit in the model. So thank you for writing it. I'm really glad to have it published in Educational Psychologist. I always try to ask authors, do you have any tips or things you can share with people who are thinking about writing a manuscript Educational Psychologist? Ooh, that's a good one. I think really it's it's a long process. So Mm. I think it's important to believe in yourself and your idea and keep pushing it forward. Whether you're an early career scholar like me or, or an established researcher, mm-hmm. if you have an idea that you think is meaningful and has potential to advance the field, I think it's really important to have that faith in yourself yeah, totally. uh, because the process is intense. I'm not going to lie. It is intense, but it's incredibly rewarding, both the process and the outcome. I think another huge thing is having a good support system um, Mm -hmm. and finding good collaborators. It's been absolutely amazing writing this piece with Shirley, Chris, and Eric during this long journey. And I feel like it's always more fun and inspiring if you can bounce ideas off and talk through things with your collaborators Mm -hmm. who share the same interest, I guess. Totally. Yeah. So I really love what you said there. You know, I think having confidence in your idea is so important. Sometimes, you know, particularly novel ideas, it can be hard for reviewers to kind of understand it at first, or sometimes there's a little bit of, hey, this is really new. I don't totally get it. And you got to kind of sometimes stick with it and, you know, explain (laughs) it again or, you know, reframe it. And so I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that. And then, of course, like having good collaborators is really important having people that you can bounce ideas off of. And I know that like, sometimes I write something and I think, oh, this is super clear. And I'll show it to someone they'll be like, I don't have any idea what you're talking about, Jeff. So, (laughs) you know, having people that can do that is really important. And I'm glad that you mentioned both those things. So I know that you're transitioning to a new position this fall. Congratulations. Thank you. Do you have ideas about scholarship that you're really excited about that you're going to jump into when you get there? Yeah, sure. So I'm really excited to start my position 
at Florida State. I think that one of the new projects that I'm designing is doing experience sampling method studies where I look at students' multiple goals, their goal conflict experiences, Mm -hmm. and how students overcome those challenges in different contexts. So Mm -hmm. I'm interested in looking at how students pursue their academic, social, and personal goals and how that might look differently in different settings with different groups of students. That sounds super cool. And experience sampling is a really interesting method that I'm excited to see more about. So, you know, good luck in the transition and and good luck with the new scholarship. Thank you so much. So that seems like a great place to wrap up for today. I really encourage our listeners to check out Yoon's article in Educational Psychologist entitled Self-Regulatory Processes Within and Between Diverse Goals, the Multiple Goals Regulation Framework, which he co-authored with Shirley Yu, Christopher Walters, and Eric Andaman. So Yoon, thanks again so much for your contribution to the literature and for talking to me about it today. Yeah, thanks for having me. This was great. And finally, to you, uh, our listeners, if you're enjoying the podcast, I encourage you to check out our other episodes and also consider rating and reviewing us. It really helps us get a sense of what's working and how we can improve. You can find all of our podcasts on the APA Division 15 website in the publication section. So thanks again for listening. I'm Jeff Green.